The Die Hard Eagles podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie is doing everything they can to help DGENs only cash big, including a 50% deposit match on your first deposit. That's MyBookie.ag promo code SGP to get a 50% deposit match. We're also brought to you by Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is a new daily fantasy sports app built specifically for player props. Download the app in the App Store and use promo code SGP for an instant deposit match up to $50. That's thrivefantasy.com, promo code SGP. Sign up and prop up today. We're also brought to you by Ace Per Head. Ace is the leader in pay per head providers, and they make it super easy to start your own sports book. Plus, Ace is offering up to six weeks free over at aceperhead.com slash SGP. That's aceperhead.com slash SGP. Welcome everyone to the diehard Eagles podcast. I'm Sean stacking the money green with my two fellow diehard Eagles fans, Rob and Justin. Well, it was a, uh, it was a win. It got super ugly, but the Eagles they're in first place, three, four and one halfway through the season coming off a 14 point win against the Dallas Cowboys. Rob, why are you not more happy as an Eagles fan? <laughs> we won. Uh, wow, what a battle of two ugly teams! I mean, uh, first of all, uh, you know the biggest positive is wow, Dallas really sucks. Uh, <laughs> they they are not good. Um, all facets of their game were terrible. Um, but the bad news is we struggled against them. I mean, we were losing nine seven at half to a seventh round draft pick QB in his first start. You know, I forget how many turnovers Wentz had by then, two or three. Um, just a, a total disaster of, of a start and really a game. Um, you know, uh, the, the lack of action did not make it easy for me to stay awake. Uh, started <laughs> to struggle a little bit in the second half there. Uh, for those that know me, I, I, I struggle staying up late at night. Uh, so, so that was a struggle. I know Sean's going to bring it up. May have dozed off for a play or two, but I did see it. So I mean, look, it, it, the team has a lot to work on in the buy. I know we're going to talk about it. Um, you know, the bright spot again, Fulgham, the the guy came to play again. Um, but Wentz, I, I mean, what is wrong with the guy? Uh, four turnovers in the game. Uh, you know, continues to fumble the ball, continues to throw interceptions. Something is wrong with them. I don't know how to fix it. I have some ideas, but. Um, you know, and Doug P. Well, his coaching is just awful. The game plan is awful. Um, you know, I, I heard someone say something, ask why Dallas Goddard wasn't involved, and, and and I heard this secondhand. So, but I think Wentz said something like, "Well, we didn't know he was going to play last minute, so we didn't really have plays for him." I mean, <laughs> what does that mean? You didn't have plays for him. The guy is one of your best players. You've had he's he's played plenty of games, and you just didn't have plays for him. I mean, this team has a lot to fix. It's a win. I'll take it. It's better than a loss, but it's frustrating. And and it's, it doesn't give me much more confidence going forward. Rob, you know, uh, off air, when we had a uh, conversation, you mentioned the fact that the Eagles don't have a true offensive coordinator and kind of creating a weird uh, accountability gap when, when it comes to the offense, I wouldn't be 
Now maybe it's promoting Deuce and making him offensive coordinator. I don't know whatever the move is, but I I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they name an offensive coordinator and and Doug P at some point gives up his play calling. Although again, he says he's having fun doing it, so he doesn't want to give that up. I'm going to try and take the optimistic side. Hey, we beat the Cowboys, we're 3-4 and 1. We have a realistic schedule that we can handle. And yes, Wentz has really looked like shit at times. But he's also even in that game, he made great throws, like the throw to Fulgham for the touchdown, the throw to Rager. Like he's making the great throws, like in the game. So the the great plays are still there. I would be completely worried and ready to bench him if you weren't seeing the great plays, along with the turnovers and the inconsistency. He needs to clean that up. That shit's unforgivable. But I, I think the fact that we're still seeing some flashes of greatness and great throws, that's what I'm hanging on to as an optimist. Uh, Justin, where are you and your Eagles fandom coming off this game? So, uh, you know, what? I'm a little bit more positive than some of the fans that have kind of uh, touched base with. Um, I, I felt it was a good game, obviously not a great game. Um, the good things I noticed um, TJ Edwards coming back after about a month um, and we posted it on uh, the diehard Eagles podcast, uh, Instagram feed there. Good plug. Uh, but his stats, you know, 13 tackles sack and that forced fumble, you know, that uh, ended up leading to the touchdown there at the end of the game. That was huge. Um, the defense did well, granted it was against Danucci of all people, but you know what? I'll, I'll take a wins a win and uh, maybe they can build some confidence from it. It seemed like they were really starting to mesh there at the end. Um, Carson, obviously there are quite a few concerns there um, and major concerns as we've brought up in the past. But I think the the issue, and Rob touched on this, Doug, just some glaring concerns, some mismanagement. Um, you could question the play calling for sure. Um, but the one play that I really didn't like was at the end of the half, um, we decide to do a pass play and it doesn't work out. And then we decide to go for it on fourth down there. And we don't, we're not able to convert from it. And it just didn't seem to make sense. Uh, we were winning at the time. We were up seven, six. I feel like in that situation, you just punt the ball to Danucci. He's not gaining much ground on us and just, you know, come back another day and, um, you know, next drive and try to score there. But it just, uh, I had to question a few calls down the road there. So, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's weird. Cause Doug at times, much like Carson, I think is pressing. Like he's trying to get that mojo back. He's trying to get the big balls, Doug thing going again with the two point and then going for fourth down, but almost like in the same way when you're playing blackjack and you're on a cold streak and you're like, okay, I'm going to push all in here. I'm going to double down on something. Maybe you normally wouldn't double down on. Like he just seems to be pressing a little bit. He can't find his groove for whatever reason as a play caller. But I, again, the optimism, the, the thing to hang her hat on is Travis Fulgham, 435 yards in his first five games as an Eagle. Uh, most by any Eagles receiver in a five game stretch, just period since Jeremy Macklin, 456 yards all the way back in 2014. So now we have a bye week We have Fulgham who's established himself as a legit number one in the league. As crazy as it sounds Rager who, who looked really good, possibly a legit number two, Greg Ward. I like in the slot. And then we get miles Sanders, Dallas Goddard. And we have this bye week to get some of these guys healthy. There really shouldn't be any excuses coming out of the bye week getting ready for the New York giants. But obviously the biggest thing on offense and, and probably facing the team, Carson Wentz, Robbie, you've had moments where you've called for the benching of Carson Wentz. Would you start Carson Wentz coming out of the bye against the giants? 
Yes, I would start him, but I want to qualify that. I would have absolutely benched him last game. You know what? You're right, Sean. He makes these amazing throws that give you these scintilla of hope that he's going to turn it around and next game's going to be the one when he has no turnovers. You know, I'm sick of, after every game I hear, <laughs> I got to be better. I got to be better. And you know what? He needs a wake up call. And last game was the game to do it because. You know, yes, he has these heroic moments at the end of the game, but those heroic moments are only necessary because he put us in such a hole throughout the the, the rest of the game. I mean, you can't have a, a QB that's having three, four turnovers every single game. I'd rather have a middle of the road guy that doesn't turn the ball over and is just going to be steady and make okay plays. So I would have absolutely benched him last game. Quite honestly, I think we could have beat Dallas just running the ball the whole game or running Jalen Hurts. I think it would have been absolutely fine. And maybe that would have sent a message to Wentz. I don't know if they think he's just so fragile that one benching is going to totally throw him off, but I would have absolutely benched him. Um, I would not bench him for the season. I would have probably benched him for the half. I would have worked with him during the buy. I think that I, I think what he needs more than anything is some hard coaching. You know, all you hear about is how DeFilippo used to ride him in that 2017 year was a stickler on the mechanics. Clearly that's gone the wayside. And you know, I don't know what press Taylor does. Clearly he's not helping the offensive <laughs> game planning. Clearly he's not helping Wentz. So the guy, you know, he should be first to go quite honestly in the bye week get rid of him. And I think you hit the nail on the head, Sean, you know, for this by the offensive coaching staff has no identity because no one's truly in, in charge. You know, I thought it was a positive. We spent all this off season bringing in all these consultants, um, you know, Scangello, uh, you know, we have Marty Morningway and, and another guy, I forget his name in addition to press Taylor. But I think the problem with that is no one is truly offensive coordinator and no one truly has responsibility. You know, when there's, when there's so many hands in the offense, no one's truly in charge. And, and I think my fear is that's what's happening here. And I don't know if Doug is just overruling everyone. I think he absolutely needs to give up his play calling. It's, it's gotten stale and, you know, more importantly, great teams have an identity you can look at their offense and they have bread and butter plays. We don't have that because we don't run anything consistently. There's no rhyme or reason to what we've, what we do. And, and, and that's hurt Wentz. I think when you don't have a, a, a flow, when you don't have go-to plays, when, you know, when Doug is just calling these random things here or there, um, you know, a reporter asked Doug this week, you know, almost like he was trying too hard against Dallas. Why didn't you just keep it simple against them? And he got all testy, but it was a good point. I mean, you could have just run the ball 40 times and you probably would have beat them. They're, they're awful against the run. Uh, instead, Doug's trying to dial up these, you know, uh, well, these it, other plays that just aren't working. Yeah. And especially the windy conditions, like, I mean, you know, Carson Wentz's turnovers are a problem regardless, but some of those deep balls he tried, you could see the wind impacting the impacting the deep ball. So it, it really was a head scratcher there. I, I don't think benching Wentz really accomplishes anything. I think we have to ride this out regardless to the end of the season, or at least while we're in the playoff hunt, I think maybe putting Jalen hurts in for an entire series, maybe that makes sense. But I go back and forth with that because 
clearly what's missing out of this offense is any sort of rhythm. Now I'm hopeful that we have the receivers kind of established. We have the tight end figured out. It's Goddard Ertz. We're moving on from him. We have Miles Sanders. Hopefully he's back after the the bye week, and that can kind of get some consistency. And the offensive line, even though there's only one original starter, or I guess two now if you count Peters, although he's always rolling around on the floor. Who knows what the hell's wrong with that guy? If we can get some sort of consistency on the offensive line, the skill positions, maybe we can get some sort of rhythm. So that's, I guess, what I'm worried about is that maybe we can figure this out. And certainly coming out of a bye, going up against the Giants, that's the time to do it. Justin, what would you do? I know you originally were uh, had Wentz on the trade block, took him off the trade block. Doesn't sound like he's back on it for you, but where are you at with Wentz and what would you do? Uh, well, I mean, you got to take into account what Carson's uh, struggles are. I mean, right now you can put a, a decent amount of blame on the the offensive line injuries that have taken place. And uh, just to go back to what Rob said about running the ball at the end of the game. I mean, I don't know if you put Jalen hurts in, we win that game. We need Carson in there. As you can see, Dallas started stacking the box a little bit. They started looking for the run and they started stopping it. Um, that's kind of what I'd like to point out with Doug though, is you know, when those linebackers start moving up, don't you start calling some slants, you know, get, get some yeah. guys open. I feel like every time Carson's throwing now, it's no longer in the middle of the field. It's always outside the hashes. If you notice other than that Goddard play, I can't really think of one other than the one that went straight through Ward's hands on fourth down at the end of the game. Um, so I'm looking at the offensive line. So I feel like I can't put a, a ton of blame on Wentz, even though I can put some of those dumbass plays that he would, yeah. he, uh, and turnovers that he decided to make. Now, one thing I'd like to point out is some people were comparing Danucci's numbers to Wentz. Uh, let's get one thing straight. Uh, not these guys are not the same guy. Carson still scored two through two touchdown passes. Yeah, us. they were moving the ball. He he had two fumbles himself. So let's get that out of the way. And uh, we all know quarterback rating is just a shitty stat, and anyway. so. <laughs> Um, I just wanted to point that out, but Carson does need to understand that, you know, you can't make the dumb plays like that first uh, sack fumble. Like he's literally standing there. You got to get rid of the ball. Come on, man. Like figure it out. And then the other one where he could have ran and he decided to try to hit Regor in the end zone. That was a, that was a tough interception. Now the fourth down um, fumble. I don't really care. I mean, it was going to be a turnover on downs anyways. And then the deep pass to high tower, it, it kind of is what it is. We wanted to throw deep. We wanted to throw deep, and then he does, and then obviously, just he got burned doing it. Yeah, but maybe that was the, wasn't the game or wasn't the spot on that one. But I, I do like the fact that they have been aggressive trying some of those deep shots. I agree, and I, I'm going to say I, I think it's a useful tactic to throw one deep every now and then, and hope that a guy comes down with it at times. But um, with that said, yeah, I think you got to let Carson work out of it. He's he's been uh, he's been coming around a little bit. Um, here and there. And he's really our only chance at, you know, possibly going to the playoffs and trying to make any type of run. If you, if you pull him and you mess with some of his confidence, I don't know how he's going to react and what might happen. We do know his ceiling is super high when he plays at his highest level. So why not, why not let him try and do that and work out of this situation? Yeah. I mean, clearly he's in the slump. Can he get out of it or is just, just who he is? I'm, I'm hoping that it's just a slump and then he can get out of it. And the fact that he's been in this slump, he's turned the ball over so much. We've had so many injuries and yet here we are atop the NFC East three, four and one. And uh, you know, it, it's funny. I, someone tweeted this out that uh, 
we actually have the biggest division lead in the NFC. Every other t- every other division is only a game uh, difference, and we're actually a game and a half up on the uh, competition. And that's really win the NFC, get into the playoffs, and we'll we'll talk about that uh, as we wrap up where we would actually stand if the season ended today. But worth switching over to the defense for a second here. Jim Schwartz, Rob was uh, putting him on the hot seat. He's been a he's been a known uh, enemy of Jim Schwartz, but. Defenses, uh, I mean, they've played solid. You know, granted the Giants and Danucci, not much of a test, but they're getting some turnovers. Their confidence seems to be there. I, I really like what the defensive line is doing. Brandon Graham flashing. Um, hopefully, I know Darius Slay went out with an injury. It didn't seem super serious. Can't really spare losing him. But Rob, where are you at with Jim Schwartz and the defense for the rest of the season? I, I already stated my position. I'm out on Schwartz. Nothing has changed that. Look, I, I think I told you that whatever that was a podcast or two, when I said, I'm done with them. I, I said, he, he's going to have these games where he slowly lures you back in. You start to get comfortable with them again. You think, oh, maybe he's turned it around, but look, we played awful teams. I mean, we just played Dallas. So it's not that hard to put together a defensive game plan against them. Um, I, I'm telling you, once we get to a, a meteor part of the schedule, play some better teams. He's going to go right back to his stubborn defense. It's going to be infuriating. I, I think for the sake of the team, we need a fresh start. Look, I don't think we're going to fire him mid season. I think we ride him out for the season. It is what it is at this point, but I absolutely think in the off season, we need to move on. I think we just need a fresh face on defense. Pantani, what are you, are you calling for the firing the head of Jim Schwartz? Uh. No, especially not this season. I'm not against Rob's idea of possibly letting him play out the season and seeing what's out there. Um, at the moment, though, I don't know. I don't know if you could get better than Jim Schwartz. Um, I I still think he's a decent, um, you know, defensive coach. Um, I think he's gotten a lot out of these guys, especially uh, you know with Singleton in the mix now. You see a lot of potential there, um, and now Edwards back. Yeah, you saw a great game out of those guys. Um, and it seems like, you know, our secondary is kind of coming around a little bit. So it's kind of a, you know, wait to be seen right now, see what happens by the end of the season. Um, and I wouldn't be opposed to looking for a better coach, but I just don't know who that would be at the moment. So, yeah, I mean, to me, I fire him and to me, when I'm grading Schwartz, you have to really know behind the scenes, what his impact is on the, on the talent and on the roster. Like, is he, is he pounding the table and saying like, I have to play Nate Gary because the, the couple of personnel decisions we know he's been involved in, like bringing in Darius Slate. Well, that was a good decision, but I mean, you know, like we've struggled. Our linebackers have been horrible. It's like, well, yeah, we didn't draft a linebacker. We drafted Jalen hurt second overall. Hey, maybe if we use that pick on a linebacker, Jim Schwartz's defense looks a lot better. So I guess I would have to know how much is he really involved with the uh, defense uh, and regardless Javon Hargrave, he had, he had a tackle for a loss. I think this game, but he has been a big kind of whiff. Uh, I was really optimistic about him. Young athletic defensive tackle coming in his prime of his career, really haven't gotten enough out of him, but thankfully Brandon Graham's had a great year. Fletcher Cox has been flashing coming on as a late, but here we are at the, at the bye week. Um, I, I don't know to me again, the brightest spot for this team in the first eight games is that we're in first place in spite of all the injuries, in spite of all the turnovers, in spite of the season feeling like it was over 10 times already. We're still first place in the NFC East. And again, for me, I, I think we have an answer at who the number one receiver is Travis Fulgham. I think that's a legit answer. We have a number one cornerback. 
in uh, Darius Slay, and then we have some great skill guys around them with Miles Sanders, maybe Rager, uh, you know, some of the defensive linemen that have been flashing. So we have a lot of guys in key spots. Uh, big questions as far as just the overall coaching and certainly Carson slump. But Rob, what's some bright spots uh, coming into this bye week? Yeah, I mean, Sean, you touched upon it. Obviously, the biggest bright spot is Fulgham. I, I mean, no one could have seen his emergence um, to what appears to be a legit number one receiver. And you know what I really love about the guy is he's not just making easy catches; he's making contested catches um, that really, really is amazing for a guy that no one even had heard of before the season. So, you know, you can't take that away from him. The guy's been a stud so far. He's absolutely the biggest bright spot. And the other bright spot, quite honestly, to me is Jordan Mylotta. I mean, I, yeah. I think everyone was excited about his potential, you know, this big rugby guy, he's obviously a, a huge guy, um, but he has, you know, when, when Dillard went down, he stepped right in there and, and, and really the team has not lost a step. I mean, I, he should be the left tackle going forward. I hated last week when they put Peters in, I kind of understand why they did it because lane ended up being out, but you know, I'll tell you after the buy, when, when lane is back, my absolutely should be the starting left tackle. I don't care about Jordan Peters or I mean, uh, uh, Jason Peters, uh, ego, or, you know, what the coaching staff thinks he should be the starter and let's see what we got for the guy going forward. So th- those two guys really, in my mind are the two brightest spots uh, of the team so far. I like it. Even, even in uh, the bright spot segment, Rob has a, uh, has a chance to throw some salt over at Jason Peters and, uh, and a, threatening, well <laughs> a threatening word to Doug Peterson. If he considers putting him in the left tackle spot, we hit on a bunch there, Justin, what, what haven't we hit on as a, a possible bright spot as we turn the page here, going to the second half of the yeah, season, the obvious answer. I mean, Fulgham's there. Um, I agree with Rob about my Lotta. Um, I will say he did struggle last week though. It was, it was kind of a rough game for him. Um, I would like to see him over at left tackle because Peters had a couple of moments there that were uh, questionable during that game. So you might've actually been better off with my Lotta in left overall. But um, with that being said, I mean, I kind of looked at the fact that, you know, the, I hate to bring this up, but, and some people might disagree, but Carson's healthy this season. I yeah. mean, so far on wood, I'm not trying to jinx anything, but so far he's healthy. He hasn't obviously played great, but uh, I, I mean, I would say that even though he hasn't played great, we wouldn't be in first if he wasn't healthy. I don't think uh Sudsy would have been able to pull us out of this. Um, with that being said, the other thing too is, I mean, we're in first place. So those were, those were the other two, uh, the only other two I could think of at the moment as far as bright spots. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know how you cut down on turnovers. You don't play cause you're injured. So that, that could be one solution. You'd be happy then yeah. happy injured Carson. He's not injury prone like Dak Prescott who really Dak really needs to learn how to get down and, and safely rush the ball. Hopefully he'll learn that moving forward. He really needs to work on that in the off season. Hypothetical question, Justin. We'll let you start out. I, this is the one I drummed up myself. What would you rather, Doug, to give up play calling duties, or Nate Gary not to be on the field for the rest of the season? Which one? Are you, which one's more annoying right now? Sean, that's such a tough question. Yeah, because <laughs> because um, certainly if if Doug gives up play calling duties, there's no guarantee it's going to get better. Yeah, uh, it, yeah, there is no guarantee it's going to get better. Um, Doug can have his moments and uh, I can rationalize this by, by thinking like, you know, if Carson doesn't have a couple turnovers, 
Doug's play calling looks pretty darn good then. Right. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And hits it past a high tower for a touchdown. We're all going, Oh crap. That's amazing. Um, or if Carson runs, you know, 15 yards of open field, instead of trying to hit uh Ragor in the corner of the end zone there and gets picked off. But anyways, I digress games over. We won. <laughs> um, I would say, I don't want to, I don't want Nate Gary back on that field. Um, he's just such a liability and you just saw it, it, whatever we're doing at linebacker right now with Singleton and Edwards. And I know it was Dallas. I know it was Dallas. I keep telling myself that, but it just looked so much better. Um, so I, I would say don't let Nate see the field again. Um, and I'd be a lot more content. Yeah. Everyone uh, gave me shit when I said Zeke Kelly wouldn't be a top 10 fantasy football running back, but here we come. Zeke's falling apart and yeah, he should still be good. Even though with that banged up offensive line, I know everyone's making excuses for the Cowboys offensive line. Meanwhile, we're dealing with almost the exact same injury situation. Rob, not afraid to criticize Doug P would you rather him give up play calling duties or Nate Gary not to be on the field for the rest of the season? Please. You guys know, you don't even need to ask me this question <laughs> um, as bad as Nate gear Gary is. I mean, quite honestly, I, I are the other guys we have that much better. So is it really hurting us that much? Uh, you know, I don't know, but Doug needs to give up the play calling. He's been a mess. He has no identity. I already had like three rants about this and, and we're, you know, 15 minutes into this podcast. I, I just want to see someone else take control. Maybe it'll allow Doug to focus on other things during the game. Maybe it'll allow him to focus on coaching Carson, co- talking to Carson, you know, getting into the flow of the game better, but I'd like to see him give up the reins. Let's see what we can do. Uh, you know, I, I think that may help the offense at this point. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's my take on Doug as well. I, I think what he's best at is the kind of intangible stuff, the getting guys up for games, helping guys work through stuff. I mean, the same way Tomlin, he doesn't call plays. He's just kind of a guy that, that knows, uh, you know, what he needs to get out of the guys and what buttons to push with the team overall, emotionally getting them in good spots. And he could focus on you know, clock management, situational stuff, and and have a trusted guy there to handle the play calling. Um, that being said, Nate Gary can't see the field the rest of the season. It's just I I can't deal with Nate <laughs> Gary, and he's he's insulting the visor, the visor and the helmet combination looks so badass, and then he just plays like a a lost loser. I can't I can't deal with it. He's besmirching the awesome visor. Can't do it. Well, of course, the big question facing the Eagles and the rest of the season is. You know, do we really want to win? I mean, what's going to happen if we win? You know, we're just going to get destroyed in the playoffs. But I don't know about that. I don't know if uh, destroyed in the playoffs round one because we win the NFC East. If we're so lucky, knock on wood. Again, just hypothetical here. If we win the NFC East, we would be hosting a home game. And right now, if the season ended today, we would be hosting the Arizona Cardinals in cold weather at Lincoln Financial Field. Cliff Kitchens, aka Cliff Kingsbury, making his first playoff uh, game debut, and that that offense, which is very, very much like kind of a a dome offense, moving the ball around a lot. Kyler Murray scrambling again. That's why Nate Gary can't be out on the field. I actually think we have a shot against the Cardinals. Hey, there's a chance we could end up against the Bears, but hypothetically, if we play the Cardinals, I like our chances. I think actually. You know, calling it now, I, I think we would be either a small dog. I, I would say we'd probably be pick 'em right now, uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if we closed the favorite there. And I like our chances to beat the Arizona Cardinals at home. Justin, am I being delusional here? Hypothetically, if we played the Cardinals round one in the playoffs, how do you see it going? 
Oh, I think your spread's a little delusional. I don't think it would be. I think Arizona would be favored by at least three and a half. But yeah, I guess um, I guess I'm factoring in like a little bit of us winning a few more games by winning the division. But oh, yeah, I'm just thinking today. So. Yeah, I guess if you're right, if we did it today, uh, especially with how people or with how high people are on the Cardinals and them coming off a a big win over Seattle, you're right. It probably would be Arizona minus three and a half. But I'm, I'm yeah. taking Eagles money line. But uh, yeah, I th- actually think we could uh, we could win that game. I think we could win something like 28, 24, possibly. Um, if it's you know obviously a playoff game and we're farther down the road, I mean we know Carson Ceiling can be MVP caliber quarterback if we uh, could stay healthy and get a couple guys back as well. You know, uh, get Lane at right, put Mylotta at left, put Peters back at right guard. You got Herbig and Kelsey there, solid line. Then uh, Carson could play a little bit better, and then possibly have Ertz and Goddard back, full, fully healthy. Um, I think we could win that game. Um, Ravens, I mean, uh, Cardinals are a poor man's Ravens, in my opinion, and uh, we we kind of stayed in that game with them. So I think we could, uh, we'd be able to pull it off overall. Yeah, we're going to be in that game. I mean, I think any of these wild card teams at home, we're in the mix. Rob, are we crazy? Yes. Look, as always, I'm a, I'm the only one that's going to keep it real here. Um, all we can do is go by what we've seen. And, and right now the Cardinals are a far superior team. I, I think they have that kind of offense. That could be a classic offense that will torch Jim Schwartz defense. Yeah. Um, you know, the difference between them and the Ravens, Justin, and I do like the analogy is I think they're a better passing team. You know, uh, the Ravens are not a great passing team. I, I think uh, with Hopkins. Um, I, I just think Arizona is a little more dynamic, even uh, on offense in terms of their versatility to, to beat you both ways. I, I will say this, however, and I'll say this, I, I think if the game was today, we'd be dogs by four and a half. Um, you know, I, I get that Wentz has the potential, but at this point I, I can't anymore hang on to this 2017 pro ball uh, MVP year. I mean, he hasn't shown that now for a while. He needs to earn that back for me to rely upon that. I, I will say this though. I, I do think we're a very dangerous team and, and we're a team that I would not want to have to play in the first round of the playoffs because we are trending towards getting healthy. If we can get healthy, it is possible things could click and we could go on a little run here. So Clearly, if that happens, that line would be different. It could easily be a pick 'em if we start to have a good half, second half of the season, and and things go well. And you know, like I said, I I do think we're a team that could scare some other people uh, come playoff times if we get healthy. Yeah. yeah, and I don't I don't disagree with Rob. I mean, uh, the Cardinals are a better passing team overall, but uh, just Ravens defense is obviously better than the Cardinals defense. But just by looking at uh, rushing numbers and passing numbers that they've uh, let up. And then also uh, the Ravens defensive line, uh, 24 sacks compared to uh, the Cardinals 19. So I don't know, just looking at it both ways, but yeah, I wouldn't, I, I, it is a little dangerous thinking of our linebackers in open space against Kyler Murray. But I do like the fact that overall the team, our team has seen a bunch of playoff experience. Uh, Wentz kind of being the exception, and I like Doug P to get him up for a big game at home and defend the NFC East title. All right, we're gonna be back next week, uh, coming off the bye week, previewing the game against the Giants. 
for Justin, for Rob, for the Diehard Eagles podcast. I'm Sean Stacking the Money Green. Go Birds! Go Birds! Go Birds! For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's finally spring, and I'm saying goodbye snow, hello adventure. And during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event, you can get epic deals on your favorite Honda model. Ready to get rugged? Then take the off-road in an all-wheel drive Honda SUV, like the CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, or redesigned Ridgeline. Want to take a spring road trip? Then check out a fuel-efficient turbocharged Civic or Accord. Say goodbye to winter and hello to a new Honda. Don't miss huge savings during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event. Now at your local Honda dealer.